guys and gals and welcome back to the we love horror podcast the podcast where we talk about everything and anything horror i'm michael and today i am joined by a very dear friend and special guest lorraine from the once upon a nightmare podcast how are you grand how are you thanks for having me on of course i'm really happy that you wanted to come on um because you and i just recently did an episode on yours uh last Mm -hmm. weekend and we did um, Edmund Kemper, which was a really, really fun episode. So yeah, yeah, definitely enjoyed that. It was nice to talk to someone when you do it on your own. It's nice when someone's actually speaking back to you for a change. <laughs> yeah. And it was also kind of like a nice change of pace for me too to come on and actually mm-hmm. do like a true crime related episode instead of just like a horror related episode. So mm. it, it was fun for me because I'm not used to uh, coming on and getting to do, you know, a change of uh, <laughs> a change of scenery. So but uh yeah, so uh, how have you been this past week, Lorraine? How have I been? What have I done? Yeah, I've been grand. I just, every day kind of just blends into one at the moment. I don't really do anything. Nobody has any great stories at the moment because it's all like, oh, I was at home and I did this and I watched, you know, because no one can really go anywhere. So we're kind of, yeah. we've kind of started to come out of lockdown. So um, yeah, but it's it's just been quite a chilled week, but it's Mother's Day here tomorrow. I know it's different in America. Um, so I'm going to have a really nice lazy day tomorrow and watch movies in bed. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, happy mother's day. Happy early mother's day, of course. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. (laughs) That's good. Um, have you watched anything good lately? Um, I watched, uh, rabid, the David Cronenberg film. Uh Um, so I watched that and, uh, I just watched a lot of RuPaul's drag race. I'm big into that. I love my my girls and um uh Brooklyn Nine-Nine desperately seeking Susan I love 80s so just kind of a bit of um a mixture of different things but um I haven't watched much horror in the in in the last week but I'm going to watch The Descent tomorrow I've planned on that have you seen The Descent before I did and I don't know why I'm doing it because I remember when it ended I was like what why is this happening to me and I was like, I'm never watching this again. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race is great. I love that you watch that too. I love it. I love it. I just love, I love it. I love the whole look and stuff like that. It's just, it's amazing what they can do. I mean, there's some serious talent there. Like it's ridiculous oh. what they can create. Oh yeah. It's like, how do these men go from looking like men to literally looking like women? It's insane. Yeah, and it's so not fair because they've got like the most amazing bodies and legs. And I'm like five two. I'm like a hobbit. And <laughs> I just see these men with these legs. And I'm like, that's not fair. I want those legs. <laughs> and like they just Naomi, look so gorgeous. Like Naomi Smalls. Yeah, exactly. Her freaking legs. Ugh. I oh, saw Naomi God. Smalls in person. Did I, you? I, uh-huh. Her and Kim Chi, actually. I saw them both um wow. two years ago. I met them in oh. It was so it was so surreal, like meeting them because like they they came to a small little uh, venue in uh, Salt Lake City mm. and I have video of it so I can send it to you if you want it. Um, Ooh, yeah. But then we got like a meet and greet afterward and we got like a picture with them. So I was like, oh, it was so insane. Yeah. <laughs> and Do you they- listen to the Thanks for Coming podcast? 
I don't. I listened to the race chaser one with Willem in Alaska. Oh, you should listen to Thanks for Comment. They do a whole breakdown of it, and it's so funny, of uh, oh. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I'll have to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> RuPaul's yeah, Drag so Race, great show, listeners. <laughs> you should go listen. Uh, you should go watch it. <laughs> yeah. You get some really good makeup tips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> some padding tips, too, if you ever want to yeah. pad, you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> but oh yeah I, sw- I have to just say i don't know how they do that where you can see nothing i know like, literally nothing like one fella bless him um he when you know when he was dra- dressed up he couldn't hide it very well um yeah. but some of them you wouldn't be able to tell it's it's insane it's the amount of talent that goes into that oh jesus yeah like i've always i've always wanted to try doing makeup and stuff like that but oh god I could never Me I could too. never be a drag queen it's too much work <laughs> no and shape. they make their stuff they make their stuff like their seamstresses and all this kind of stuff it's just I don't know how to sew to save my life so Me I neither. would be screwed um no. I also don't want to have to shave my legs every like two days and all that it's yeah. so much like manscaping and I'm like no thanks I'm good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I shave, I shave my chest and, you know, other places, but I'm like, I'm not going to shave my legs every day. Sorry. <laughs> you, other you're, places. A, yeah, you're asking for way too much out of me. It's the <laughs> my, easiest thing, actually, the legs, the legs is the easiest thing to shave. Yeah. you. Yeah. I, I, that's what I've heard, but I'm like, yeah. too much work, too much work. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. nah, <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, thanks for coming on Lorraine. I'm, I'm really you're excited because yeah, we've too. been planning this for god knows how long now like forever i think it was in december yeah back in december yeah, yeah. so yeah about four months now almost wow yeah no me too because i don't really know much about this uh what we're going to talk about so i was kind of glad that you suggested it yeah yeah i'm, I'm really excited because um i kind of uh so i guess we should uh preface to the listeners what we're going to be talking about today so i kind of wanted to do something a little bit different today um and kind of take a page from your book, Lorraine, because you have a true crime slash horror podcast where you do true crime episodes mixed mm. in with um, horror topic type of episodes as well. So I kind of thought it would be fun to do kind of a change of pace and do a true crime episode on this podcast. So this episode is uh, going to be a true crime related episode, and we are going to be talking about the Ketty Cabin murders mm-hmm. that occurred in 1981. So almost a four actually i was just talking to my roommate about this oh, that's 40 got, years ago 40 years ago in a month actually so because today is what the 13th so it'll be 40 years and a month ago from yesterday that this occurred oh my god yeah so it's kind of crazy how close in proximity <laughs> we're doing this episode to when that when those events occurred because it happened on yeah. april 12th 1981 so we're we're getting right close to that so yeah <laughs> that's scary uh, yeah yeah so uh yeah if you guys aren't familiar with the Ketty cabin murders stick around because we're gonna have a pretty good conversation about it today so hmm. um but before we get into that would you like to do the five question horror round with me lorraine i don't know i'll tell you after <laughs> <laughs> although i did listen to your episode i think what was it evil dead and that was so funny the oh. what would you rather thing i was yeah. la- i was laughing my head the whole swimming costume and flaps thing. I was just like, oh my God. And then I tried to do the penis 
body thing with my husband and he was like yep yeah, he wanted so many details can I lose weight if I have a big penis and I'm just like oh my god just forget about it <laughs> <laughs> just forget I asked I didn't ask I know. you <laughs> I know it went way too much detail but yeah it was so funny but yeah yes um yes I will do this <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> I love that <laughs> Yeah, you texted me that this morning. You're like, my husband was like, he said he'd rather have a baby penis. And I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> but um, since you are the guest of honor today, Lorraine, I'm going to let you ask the first question. Okay, my first question is, it's very original, not. Um, <laughs> if you were a final girl, which one would you be and why? Ooh, I'd probably have to say Aaron from your next I've said that I've said that a few times. Yeah, yeah. Just because she's she is a, badass. She is a badass. Yeah. She uh I just yeah. She I did an episode on that film and it's yeah, she's mental. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't uh she doesn't she takes no prisoners, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh a good choice. Yeah, I don't know. She's just smart, she's mm. beautiful, she's resourceful, she knows how to, you know set traps which i don't know how to do so <laughs> she's very be re- believable isn't she mm-hmm. yeah. Mm, yeah and she's very yeah. prepared she comes across very prepared so mm. i i don't know i like that aspect so i think i'd have to choose her good choice thank you um <laughs> what about you lorraine who would you choose i probably would go with sydney, Ooh, sydney that's prescott that's a good choice too. The yeah. other reason I, I think the only reason I wouldn't want to go with Sydney Prescott is just because of like all my friends and family around me dying all the time, like <laughs> and constantly <Yeah>. being like <laughs> chased down by this killer. And sometimes it's your own family that's trying to kill you. So I don't know. Like, I know. I just love her though. I met her as well. And I just love oh, her so much. I met her sense. at Comic-Con in London. How is she in person? She's bloody beautiful and she's lovely and the good thing was is when I went up to meet her she was going to sign a picture and she her pen wouldn't work so she had to she asked for another pen and why she was waiting she sat and chatted to me so I got a little bit longer with her it was the same time I met Sigourney Weaver I went and got my picture oh taken my with God. her I know so and, jealous. Uh, well it was between Sigourney and Freddy Krueger my brother picked Freddy Krueger and I picked Sigourney because I love Sigourney Weaver like me so too. Um, and I love Freddy Krueger but um yeah so yeah, and I love, but she she's stunning. Like she just looks so amazing. She doesn't look like she's aged a day. So no, no. And I think me and her are probably around the same age. I think she might be a little bit younger than me, but I think we're around the same age. So like, yeah, she just looked amazing. I'm so jealous. Lucky you. <laughs> and very very friendly and polite and nice. So yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, she seems like she'd be really nice in person. Like she just seems yeah. like she'd be a very genuine, very like kind she was she was she was there was no errors and graces about her so yeah I like I liked her that's good um so my first question for you Lorraine is (laughs) well and I prefaced you before we started this episode that I have um I decided to do a couple of true crime related uh true crime related questions to ask you so um my first question for you is if you could sit down and have a interview slash dinner with any serial killer that's ever lived who would you choose and why oh jesus it would probably be kemper okay it'd probably be kemper because he he's one that confuses me 
the most because when you see him talk in person, I find it very difficult to um, put that person with the crime that he's because yeah. it, it, his crimes are so extreme, like what he did. Um, and, you know, it's the same with Dahmer. You kind of like have this, they just don't seem to, it just doesn't fit with who you're looking at. Whereas when you talk to like, you know, your Richard Speck or something, he like it fits. So um, it would, it would, it would be him just because, and he's alive. Um, but just because I would just, I, I just can't figure him out. Not that I can figure the others out, but it's just, he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. And that's really confusing because of what he did. So him with lots of security. Okay. Yeah. I like that answer because uh, yeah. when you and I did the episode last weekend mm. on him, you and I kind of were on the same boat with that. We're kind of like, he, he's not like most serial killers that you read about. Like he's very, mm. he's, um, I don't know. He's very unique. <laughs> he's not, he he's not like the other ones that we've, you know, that we've no, seen. He- he he's not and um you know i've seen lots of interviews with him and he's just very this is something and i suppose he's got a high intellect as well so i suppose maybe that adds to it but yeah there's just something about him whereas a lot of them when i see them in interviews they just seem really irritating yeah whereas yeah. he 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 i know it sounds weird but he just doesn't like i feel like he'd have something that you could listen to without mm-hmm. being like oh just shut up you know i mean it might yeah. be different in person but like you know that's just kind of you know, I'm very curious about him. Yeah, yeah. That would... What about you? Hmm. Any serial killer in the world? Let's see. Hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. I would. I'm thinking either Jeffrey Dahmer or um, Ted Bundy. Just because Ooh, Bundy would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I feel like they both, I don't know, like Ted Bundy did some heinous stuff, but he was mm. also, he was also very smart in the sense, in mm. the way that Kemper was also very, like, very intelligent and very mm. well spoken. And I feel like Jeffrey Dahmer is kind of the same. I think that for me with Dahmer, though, it's more that he killed more because he wanted to keep those men. It wasn't, it wasn't the killing that he liked it, but that was the means to get what he wanted. Yeah. And that's what I find fascinating about him. But with Bundy, he, yeah, he was, cause even like the judge even was like, Oh, such a shame basically that you did this. Cause you would have made a really good lawyer. And I'd like to have seen what you've done with your life. And it's just yep. like, you know, but yeah, Bundy was like, he put on a show. Um, and I think if he was alive today, he would have loved to have been involved with the whole profiling and mind hunter thing. Like, you know, but, uh, yeah, but no, they're, they're good. Um, but unfortunately, them two, not unfortunately, Dullery, <laughs> them two are dead. <laughs> yeah, it would just, it would be interesting to, to pick their brains and, and figure out why. I don't know. It's just like serial killers are truly just uh, a league of their own, just because it's like, where, like, how do you put yourself in that mindset? Like, you can't put yourself in that you mindset. Can. And it, it's impossible. So it's like, it makes you wonder, like, how they ever thought about doing that or actually did commit those crimes. It's it's just an mm. insane thing to think about. To wrap your head mm. around it, it's impossible to do it. So 
it's like, I don't know, it'd just be interesting to sit down with one of them and just, just talk to them. So, and if know. you do understand it and get your head around it, go get some help before you do yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Good advice, Lorraine. I like that. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, Lorraine, hit me with the second question. Okay. I'm putting it to a film because I was thinking it of in real life, but I thought that's really sick, Lorraine. So I'm putting it towards a film, but it's so my question is, if you were a killer in a film, Mm -hmm. um, what would you do to ensure that your um, victims, A, did not escape, B, how would you keep them terrified and C, what weapon of choice would you use? Oh, gosh. You got to dig deep here. (laughs) Yeah, I got to dig into my uh, psyche, huh? <laughs> I'm going to come across as a real psychopath today, aren't I? <laughs> That's why I said in film. <laughs> yeah, in theory. Yeah, metaphorically speaking. Um, okay, so what was the first one again? How I how would I ensure how- that they wouldn't get away? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I would definitely make sure that whoever I um, came across lived in a very remote area. Like kind of like the Isolation. kind of like the setting in the strangers almost like where there's like no houses nearby, nowhere to like um I would cut off the resources, obviously. So like the mm-hmm. phone, you know, um maybe the power, you know, who knows? <laughs> um you thought just, about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no, I've just seen a lot of movies like this. Uh yeah. but um yeah, uh as far as keeping them terrified, like See, I'm just going to I'm just going to use the strangers as an example, because like okay. if 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 and this is a big if I was like a killer that went around and just killed people, I wouldn't just want to, you know, be like a one and done. Like I'd want to like psychologically. You'd want to make it last. I would want to make it last because it's like, <laughs> then what's the point? You know what? What's the point of like killing somebody if you're not going to like. <laughs> I don't know if you're not going to, you know, make it, you know, last a while. I don't freaking know. Like on the strangers, like they basically psychologically torture them forever before they actually kill them. So I think that would, that would be what I would do. I would just basically just fuck with them and then, you know, go in for the kill. But then that would also ensure that they could possibly escape too. So, mm. you yeah, know, have to, you have to be really skilled if you're going to do that kind of thing. So and what would um, you kill him with? Oh, would you give them mercy at the end and just shoot them? Or would you make it last again? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Lorraine, you're going to turn off all my listeners with this question. Everyone's going to be like, Michael is a psycho. Don't listen to him. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Um, probably a knife. Go the simple way. Just the old fashioned way. Well, not the simple. Not, not si- anything from our last episode. Kemper said it's not like the movies and it's really hard to stab people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I don't know. I would probably have to go with a knife just because knives, knives terrify me. Like knives. I'm like, I would be absolutely like if I was, if I came face to face with a killer and I had the choice of like how they would kill me, it would not be with a knife. Like, I'd just be like, shoot me, you know, um, I don't freaking know. It would, it just, the, a knife would be the last thing I would want them to do because I just feel like stabbing would be the worst way to go. 
be the worst. So that's what you do, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, of course. Okay. Don't worry, I know. I've, I know. I've, uh, yeah, I've never heard a fly. I would never hurt a fly. I just, uh, don't let the nice guy act fool you. Not <laughs> <laughs> it's not part of my DNA. I could never like. No, uh, no, I know. I'm only joking. <laughs> what about you, Lorraine? Now I'm going to turn the question back on you. Ooh. Um, I would probably Gary Heineck them, stick them in a basement in a well type thing. Science the lambs. I would um, terrorize them in probably making them think they might have a chance of getting away, but really they didn't um and weapon of choice i would be quick because by then you probably were annoying me so i just shoot you in the head to shut you up <laughs> you're like i'm tired of hearing your bitching and moaning goodbye <laughs> yeah Boom. like get over it <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, god geez. we're both going to be cancelled out here you know i know <laughs> people are going to be like um <laughs> cancel these two they're psychopaths <laughs> they've really thought long and hard about this Oh, geez. <clears throat> okay. Good what's question, your next one? All right. <laughs> so my next question. And as I said before, horror staple now at this point, if you had to choose, if you had to be stuck on a desert island and you could only take five horror films with you, what horror films would you choose? Okay. Best horror film of all time, Silence of the Lambs. I know some people don't think it is, but that's my favorite film of all time. So it'd be Silence of the Lambs. Um, Second, third favorite, it changes, is Aliens and The Shining. So oh. those ones. I would take Wrong Turn because when I want something easy, especially if I'm hungover and there yeah. would be rum on this island, um, Wrong Turn. And fifth would be, oh, what would fifth be? Well, it'd be a serial killer-esque film. Mm-hmm. So you, it's not technically horror, but it's one of my favorite kind of murder-esque films. And that's Dirty Harry. Oh, okay. Because that's like one of my favorite films of all time. So it'd have to be Dirty Harry. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm. I, I He kills people, you know, not him, but you know. <laughs> yeah, the other no, fella. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I love, um, I've said this before. I just love asking that question because I feel like everybody has a different answer. So mm. it's it's fun to know, you know, what, people's like top five horror movies that they would you know if they were if they were stranded on a desert island forever yeah (laughs) those are the ones that they would choose so I find it very interesting like I like that question and if if one of them wasn't available I'd take Blade (laughs) oh okay that's a good one too (laughs) wasn't in the video shop that day (laughs) rent another one (laughs) yeah in the in the video rental store on the island it wasn't there (laughs) oh all right Lorraine hit me with your third question okay is there any horror film that you've watched and you've had to turn it off because you felt like it went too far? Oh yeah. Um, the human centipede movies. They're just too much. They're just disgusting. I can't like, I, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no, I couldn't watch all them either. Um, another one is, uh, I spit on your grave too see i do is that kind of like last house on the left type mm-hmm. rapey yeah, yeah i don't watch those ones either yeah they're hard watch. to they're hard to get through i don't i'm not a big fan of the whole rapey stuff um because it's quite graphic is they really go for it don't they especially in the second one like you think it's bad in the first movie and then yeah, the second one is 
so much worse and it's like half like 45 minutes of the movie is just that basically and so it's like anytime I put the 45 minutes pretty much yeah like the first like 45 minutes is just her getting like tortured and you know repeatedly over and over and it's just not not my cup of tea so um I mean it does make for a good revenge second half of it like I always watch the second half of these movies just because it's like satisfying to see what she does to these Mm. sick fuckers so i i mean the second the second movie is is disgusting in the sense that it's like oh but like the revenge aspect is really really satisfying so i mean i i would recommend those films if you want to skip the rapey stuff i would not blame you because they're they're really hard to watch so you should want to skip the rapey stuff yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's true there's something wrong with you if you like that kind of stuff so yeah i agree (laughs) but um so my third question for you lorraine is uh if you were on death row say you were a serial killer and you were on death row what would your final meal yeah what would your final meal be my final meal would be sweet and sour king prawn with chips Ooh. you call them french fries yeah. um, so, and <laughs> no, no you're good I got... chips are chips here are, uh no what do you call french fries you call chips are french fries and we call crisps are chips what you guys oh, call chips okay yeah okay. so we call them crisps so i'd have sweet and sour with french fries um crisps chips with a dip and some fizzy drink like diet coke or something actually fuck it, i'll go for fat coke I don't need to lose weight. <laughs> I mean, you're dying anyway, so yeah, <laughs> might as exactly. well, you know, go with the go with the more sugary yeah. option. Okay, yeah. very, very. Yeah. Uh, I like I the yeah. I was like elegant but simple at the same time because I was like prawns. Mm. Okay, that's something fancy, kind of. I feel yeah. like, and then you're like French fries and potato chips and a coke, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> potato chips yeah. <laughs> crisps we call them crisps uh, i love that though well i knew what you were talking about as soon as you said chips though because i was like oh she's probably talking about french fries so that's why i didn't even yeah. question it that's why i wasn't even like yeah. chips no sometimes i because i i used to live in america and obviously i would say certain things and um they'd be like what are you on about <laughs> They're like i'm sorry so, what yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. what would yours be by the way that'd be interesting what would yours be Hmm. I would probably have to go with because I'm a five-year-old at heart. So you're gonna say ice cream? <laughs> no, I was gonna say um, chicken strips and fries. <laughs> chicken strips and fries and ketchup and uh, probably a Mountain Dew, and Lovely. that would be that would be either that or a, a nice juicy sirloin steak with mashed potatoes and gravy and uh green beans on the side yeah if we're gonna go a little more fancy than chicken strips and fries that'd be my other option so <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of make it a little more you know fancy but uh fancy yeah you know pinky up <laughs> uh, all right question number four lorraine okay has a film made you so scared that you've changed how you do something in your life for fear for fear that it could actually happen to you 
Oh, um, yes, but I'm trying to think of what movie I'm thinking about. Um, shoot. It's been so long since I watched this movie. I'm trying to think of. Um, it's got to be like one of those like true crime type of things that can like actually happen. Um, well, when I first saw this movie, it scared the living shit out of me. Now, now more so it doesn't really scare me mm. as much, but I'm definitely, um, more aware because of it. Mm. So I'd have to say the strangers just because I'm like, yeah. mm I'm like, I, I mean, before that movie, before I even saw that movie, I never answered my doors at night anyway, because I'm like, there's no, nothing good can come <laughs> from somebody knocking at my door at four in the morning. Like, there's no good reason for somebody to be coming to my house at four in the morning. So it's like, yeah. I don't, I don't even answer the door during the day. Most of the time I have like mm-hmm. this really weird thing where I have anxiety. Like if somebody knocks on the door and I don't know who it is, like, I don't mm-hmm. answer it. Mm-hmm. Like. Sometimes and sometimes it could just be the mailman dropping off a package or something that I have to sign, but I'm like, I'm not answering the door. Like, I don't know. I have like this weird thing with answering the door. Um, but uh yeah, it made it definitely made me more aware. Mm. <laughs> um yeah. more paranoid, like yes. just so I, I'm already a paranoid enough person by nature because you know, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, Lorraine. Like we're both true crime fanatics. Mm. So it's like when we read these or when we read and talk about these stories it's like holy shit like that could happen to anybody so it makes you more aware of (laughs) things going on around you well I was I was having a conversation with my friend the other day and I says I really need to calm down with my kid and telling her to wait for me and all this kind of stuff she goes are you worried that she's going to run into the road or something like that and I says no I'm worried that someone's going to drive along in a white van swing the door open and grab her and kidnap her and take her off they're like what was it that's where my head goes yeah Mm mm-hmm Yep. Do you know what I mean? And I just yeah. like I'm lying in bed and I'm like, well, if someone breaks into the house and tries to take her and I'm asleep and I don't hear her. So like I'm like, so I check everything and the locks and the doors and all this kind of stuff. Yep. And they're just like like they 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 never think of stuff like that. Yeah. And I I um I brought this up in uh the episode that I did with the poor podcast. I did we did uh phobias and they they asked me um what one of my irrational things that I do is and I I'm one of those people that every time I move into a new place, I check for like, cameras. No, not for cameras. Um, okay. For like exit points. Like I, yeah, I try, yeah. I look, I look like I'm very aware of, you know, okay. So what if I was in this room at this time and somebody broke in the house, how do I get out of this mm-hmm. room? Um, mm-hmm. If I'm in a room that I can't get out of, <laughs> where can I hide? Or, or, you know, just these things go through my head and it's, it's kind of crazy, but it, at the same time, it's like, if that really happened, you know, what would you do? And it's like, would you, if you didn't have a plan, you know, I how, have a plan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. So I'm like, yeah. I feel like some people think I'm crazy for doing that, but I'm like, mm, no, this shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. It happens more if than it you didn't do. happen. There would be no true crime podcasts, but this, yeah. Oh, I've got an exit strategy. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm, I, and I'm always paranoid. Like when I walk out, um, when I'm leaving work and stuff, I mean, granted the parking lot that we uh, park in is like closed off. Like there's a big gate with like barbed mm. wire on the top. So you can't get into it unless you have like a key card. So it's like, it's not as scary, but if I'm like in a sketchy place, I usually put my key in between my. Do you fingers. do that? And you're a man. 
I do. Yeah. Well, because I'm a tiny man. Like I'm skinny as fuck. So like if anybody like I'm not saying that I I'm not saying that I couldn't fight back. I feel like I could fight back. But it's like if somebody bigger than me, you know, tried to Hmm. do anything like I I feel like I'd be fucked. So I'm like, I got (laughs) to got to prepare myself somehow. So sometimes if I can, if I'm feeling really like paranoid or Hmm. sketched out, I'll put it in between my fingers. So I didn't know men did that. Yeah. I don't know if all men do it. I do. How tall are you tall? Yeah, I'm like I'm uh I think I'm like six one. Oh, okay. God. So yeah. cause all that's I've... going on now at the moment because of um have you heard about that? The mm-hmm. not all men hashtag not all men thing. Uh-uh. Well basically this girl was walking home the other day and she got kidnapped and murdered by a policeman. Her name is Sarah Everand. And it you remember um obviously you remember, but George Floyd and that kind of yeah. kicked off or the Black Lives Matter thing, you know, he was kind of like the last straw type thing. Well, she's kind of that in, as in the last straw for women. And now all these women are coming forward with stories and how terrified they are of walking on their own and stuff like that. And this whole thing's kicked off over here in the UK. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you should hashtag not all men. Um, and, um, you know, and then you'll see everything that's going on, but it's, it's going nuts over here. Wow. Well, I heard, I actually do remember reading that, um, that story now that you bring it up, the girl mm. getting murdered. Um, but I didn't know about the hashtag, not all men. Yeah. Cause basically, cause people are like, well, it's not all men. And like, so they're trying to get like this narrative going that for men that kind of just laugh this stuff off, you need to call your mates out on it when they're acting like dicks and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So there's this whole thing. And like, then like, cause you said the key thing and women do that all the time. Like even the other day I was walking down the street during the day and a guy was coming behind me. I stopped and let him go by. Yeah. You know, and women do that all the time. So yeah, there's this big thing that's going on now and it's kind of like, everyone's just like had enough. And it was kind of like with the black lives matter, everyone's just like, we're done. Yeah. Stop this shit. So yeah. So there's all that. So it's interesting that you said that because that's kind of what's going on at the moment over here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just a paranoid person. So I do stuff like that. <laughs> it's better to be prepared. It's better to be prepared. That's what I true. Yeah. Some people would probably say, you know, maybe pepper spray or like a, you know, a stun gun maybe, but I don't know. I don't think we can get that over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I think a key key to the eyeball would do just fine. So, you know, <laughs> you've it well planned out. <laughs> yeah. Got to have a pretty good aim, but you know, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm five two, so I'm a bit shorter than you, so I don't stand much of a chance. <laughs> I'm feisty, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you, Lorraine? I'm curious to see what movie scared you, uh, scared you to the point where it kind of like changed your way of uh, thinking. My a lot of mine is home invasion movies. You know, like I grew up in a like my my dad was very much checking the locks every five seconds type thing. Um, and I kind of grew up like that. And then if I watch a home invasion movie, I look at certain things. So like, for instance, I don't want to live at a house that has like big doors on the ground floor, you know, all the glass doors, Uh huh. Yeah. things like that. So I, that wouldn't, I try and avoid that. You know, I like my, my daughter's bedroom opens up to an extension that people could climb on and come in her bedroom. So like, I always make sure before I go to bed that her window is locked, you know, things like that. So you know, I'm I, I'm just very aware, and it's home invasion movies yeah. that um, have done that have done that for me. You know, always I've always been kind of funny though. Every time I see a, a movie, I'm like, oh right, okay, that could happen. 
you know, so I kind of take tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Takes tips, uh, take tips and trips from these movies or tip. Yeah. I can't talk today. Tips and tricks from these movies, yes. you know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Especially your next. She really helps you out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's like, make sure they're dead. <laughs> Don't stop yeah. until they're not moving anymore. <laughs> Overkill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's what I love about her. It's like so much more refreshing than these other films exactly. where it's like they, they kill, they hit him once and they're like, okay, he's dead. And then they pop back up and it's like, well, if you would have hit, hit him a couple more times, he probably would be dead. <laughs> Idiots, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay. So question number four. Ooh, let me. Oh, ooh, I don't like that start. Ooh. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of what question I want to ask. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay. This this is I guess this is kind of the same question that you asked me. Um, but it is a little bit different. Okay. Um. If you could be any horror villain for a day, what horror villain would you be? Oh, that's a really hard one, because one thing about a lot of the horror villains, there's a real big sense of stupidity with them about how easy they get kind of like beaten up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think for fun, I'm going to take kind of like a fun point of view. I would go with um, Ghostface because he's just like he's just it's I always find it funny how he's kind of like in a supermarket and nobody yeah. notices and then yeah. how easily he gets the shit kicked out of him by whoever he's fighting and stuff like that and it's just I feel like with him if he kills you it's kind of luck <laughs> like yeah kind of just manage that one and I just find him like a really fun character but you can't take him seriously so um yeah for now I'll go with I'll go go face ghost face because I just think he's he's hilarious <laughs> a good probably, that's a good one he probably shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> and he has like you know that like smooth voice over the phone so I know. there you go exactly it, you know if you um you know part-time when you're not killing people you could uh you know part-time as a phone sex operator if you were ghost face so well, that's what i do that's what i do for a living oh okay yeah hello can be like what, what would you, you like me to do yeah <laughs> what are you wearing right now <laughs> Oh god. I feel like you've done that before. <laughs> no. It was a bit too convincing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what are you wearing right now? It'd be really fun to, you know, gut you open and see your oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, wrong job. I'm uh, uh mixing my night job with my day job. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and then and the caller's like, no, no, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what else you want to do. <laughs> and Ghostface is just like uh, okay well i mean i guess <laughs> i'd be an extra five bucks <laughs> right it's an extra surcharge just uh you know the murder oh jeez <clears throat> oh man i think if i was gonna be any horror villain and i'm i feel like i'm going back to the strangers a lot today i'd probably have to pick Dollface from the strangers because i just feel i don't know i feel like she's kind of like a fun character like she's creepy as fuck like i think she's scary just the fact that she uh, has like no remorse whatsoever for anything she does. And you can definitely tell when you watch these films that she's kind of the ringleader of the three of them. Mm. Like she's kind of I've the seen one that film like in you, years. 
like you would think that the guy with the mask like the man in the mask would be the one mm. that's like in charge but i'm pretty sure it's dollface that's the one that's like taking lead on this because she seems like she makes all the <laughs> all the decisions and all the you know so i don't know i think it might be goes back to it goes back to that one question you asked me like if i was to you know mm. be a killer hypothetically i don't know like i would i would i guess take a page from her book so I think, I don't know, it might be fun to be, <laughs> might be fun to be her for a day, but you know. I think that's the worst thing though, is when, um, when you know that you'll talk, like when you watch films or when you, true crime pod, and like, you know, you know that the person that you're trying to like, you know, plead with, mm-hmm. they have nothing going on. You yeah. don't stand a, you don't stand a fucking chance. And I think that's the thing is like with characters like that, like you, you're going to plead, but in the back of your head, you're like, there's no way this one's going to let me go. Oh, no. Do you know what I mean? And I oh, think yeah. those type of people are a whole new level of scary because there's just nothing there. There's no you conscience. Know? There's no, no like remorse for anything. They just do no. what they do because they like doing it. And that's like the scariest thing about it. It's like, that's why I don't understand that these like serial killers do that kind of shit. Yeah. It's like when they have no reason other than, just wanted to because i like it yeah yeah i just saw someone walking down the street one day and decided that they were going to be my next victim and it's just like holy shit people are people are crazy (laughs) people are insane Mm. (sighs) but uh what is your fifth and final question lorraine okay what horror franchise if you were in it do you think you'd have more chance of surviving you'd be the final girl Ooh. Or boy. Okay. No, girl. They're you better. Can say girl. You can say girl. Okay. It's fine. They're better. They're better. <laughs> my coworker. Oh, he survived. <laughs> yeah. My coworkers <laughs> joke around with me all the time at work. They're like, you're basically one of the girls. And I'm like, I know. It's, it's fine. It's the best way to be. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, geez. Well, obviously not Final Destination. That would be out. <laughs> definitely would not survive final destination because it's like if anything can kill you i would be like oh well i'm fucked then um see i'd say probably either scream or halloween just because i was thinking halloween yeah just because uh scream ghostface is really clumsy and you know it's not it wouldn't be because i just feel like in the scream films the characters make stupid decisions like Mm. um Mm. tatum for example like when she's i was just thinking her yeah saying the line in my head (laughs) yeah when she's fighting with him in the garage and she's you know she's got him down for the count and he's you know and instead of opening up the garage door and just quickly like crawling under there before he can close it again she fucking tries crawling through the the doggy door and it's just like what an idiot you're stupid yeah and like with with drew barrymore at the beginning when she's running towards her parents car and she takes that moment to stop. It's like, why would you stop? Keep fucking running. Like, what are you doing? You dumb bitch. Like <laughs> that really made me mad. Yeah. I so like mad at that. I totally victim blamed. Well, it's like, she could have done a, like, a lot of things to, you know, yeah. avoid not dying, but you know, she <laughs> instead was not very smart. So <laughs> I, I just feel like those, those little split second decisions would probably help me survive just because i'd be like yeah. i'm not stopping for shit i'm running exactly. and i'm not looking back and i'm not stopping you know yeah. so what about you 
I, I would go for Halloween as well, to be honest with you, because I feel like with Halloween, just run fast. Yeah, yeah. He's slow. Yeah. He can't catch up He's to so you. slow. He's so slow. Um, but yeah, so definitely Halloween, just because of that, because he's so slow. If yeah. he don't get you, you're fine. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, whereas Ghostface, he can run. <laughs> yeah, Ghost, Ghostface can two run. Of them. That's true. <laughs> Ghostface can run, but he's very clumsy. So, mm. you know. Yeah. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, throw some shit at him, you know, knock a chair in front of him. He'll trip over it, probably. Oh, so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> stupid. Yeah. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, that was a fun question. I like I like these questions, Lorraine. You're just hitting me with all these good ones today. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So fifth and final question for me. Um, if you could assemble a team of horror villains to go against a greater evil who would you choose and why so you can you can pick between five horror villains and you can pick them for like you can pick some of them for like their strength for their brains for their wit yeah that kind of thing okay lecture okay because brains yeah you know um uh myers because he's just happy to kill you know, yeah. there's nothing going on up there. Um, Jason for strength. Um, Kruger, because he makes it a bit fun. Yeah. And he's got, you know, the knives and stuff. And last but not least, probably Ghostface, because you could just get him to do all the shit no one else wanted to do. That's true. You know? Yeah. You know? And yeah. he probably, okay, he's like one of those little puppies. You know, the, the dumb puppies. Okay, I'll do it. They're like this type of thing. He'd <laughs> be one of those. <laughs> Just yeah. eager to please. Look yep, at me, yeah. I'll take on that shitty role. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll um, I'll um be the first to die. That's cool. Yeah, sure. Count yeah. me on. As long as I, I'm just happy to be a part of something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And then they go and murder Trump. <laughs> yeah. They'd uh, storm Sorry the, if you've they'd got storm any the White House. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I do or not, but you know, <laughs> politics, politics. I don't really, uh, no. I don't know. I'm like, I don't really care who you vote for as long as you're a good person. So exactly. try not to involve myself too much in that shit. Cause it's just <laughs> so toxic, especially in this day and age, it's just the, the whole political bullshit is just toxic. So I don't, I don't involve myself in that. If I do involve myself in it too much, it starts to, <laughs> bring um down my mental health and i i can't have that so. yeah there's a certain level you need to stop yeah mm-hmm. i'm the same I, I i can a bit of it but i'm yeah i i uh i i don't go full in deep like a lot of them yeah yeah, yeah. um huh for me i uh i would definitely pick freddy krueger just because he has the power to like manipulate um you know, he can because I feel like there's there's some movies where he can actually come into the real world and actually manipulate mm. stuff in the real world. So I don't know. I feel like he could he can manipulate people like if you were going against a greater evil and like assuming he has like a huge army of people mm. that you're going against, like he can manipulate those people and, you know, kill them, you know, um, that way. Uh, Michael Myers, obviously uh, Jason Voorhees for his strength as well. Um Let's see. I would probably pick the Deadites from Evil Dead because mm-hmm. they could like somehow get the other people in this army, like the opposing army, to like turn on themselves or each other, like basically kill themselves and like 
basically it would just be a chain reaction. It would basically infect the entire, mm. the entire horde. So then, you know, what would you do then? You don't have an army. So, <laughs> um, and then probably, probably Kayako from the grudge, just because you can't really kill her. There's nothing you can really do to stop her. She's just going to keep going. So yeah. Yeah. She's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's a, that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I that's a fun question. I like I, I yeah. like asking that question just because it's fun to see like what what people would who people would pick on their team, you know, like an A like a horror movie A team kind of thing. Horror movie Avengers. <laughs> there we go. Yep. <laughs> uh well, thank you for um participating in the five question horror round. That was fun. So, Lorraine, are you ready to get into what we are talking about today? No, I don't want to. <laughs> I know. I thought, uh, you know, it might be a good idea to uh, have a fun little, um, you know, five questions round before this to kind of, <laughs> you know, get us, uh, you know, some, some sort of sense a, of security. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some sort of happy thoughts before we get into this, because this is um, a very brutal case. Like when I was reading this, I was like, holy shit, this is brutal. And uh, yeah, so. The, the case we are going to be talking about today is the Ketty Cabin murders. So I have a little bit of a foreword that uh, I wanted to read real quick. So um, Sunday, April 12th, 1981, started out just like any other day in Ketty, California. Sheila Sharp, 14, was returning to cabin 28 after a sleepover at a neighboring cabin. What she discovered in cabin 28 that morning was a scene straight out of a nightmare. This is the story of the Ketty Cabin murders. Before we get into the the actual like crime itself and the story behind that um kind of wanted to give like a little bit of a you know backstory to the victims that are in this uh story uh so in the year 1980 glenna sue sharp who for her to be called sue left connecticut leaving behind a turbulent marriage she packed up her five children and they made the journey to california to start a new life sue decided on this location because she'd be closer to her brother Uh, They first settled in Quincy, California, into a small one-bedroom trailer that her brother and his wife had recently vacated. Sue soon found out, however, that a cramped trailer would not be ideal for such a big family, which, I mean, yeah, one-bedroom trailer for five kids that... uh, Yeah, that's that's small. (laughs) Not exactly exactly an ideal uh, location to have so uh, Mm. many children, so I can understand that. Um, Sue's children ranged in age, John 15, Sheila 14, Tina 12, Ricky 10, and Greg 5. Sue learned that there was a small resort town nearby in Ketty, California, which was struggling financially and was converting their cabins into low-income housing. Ketty cabins had once been a successful resort destination, but by the 1980s, the cabins had fallen into such disrepair that they no longer brought the crowds they once did. Sue once again packed up her five children and headed off to Ketty, California and settled into cabin 28. It was a bit run down, but there was much more space for a family. There was also a lot of other families around making Ketty the ideal spot for Sue and her children to start a new life. So, I mean, yeah, not the most ideal place from what it sounds no. like. It doesn't sound like it was the best place to live, but I mean, it was comfortable. I mean, they were comfortable, at least. They weren't cramped in like a one bedroom trailer and there were other families, so... I'm sure, you know, it was fun for them to like spend time with other kids and stuff like that. Cause I, cause I also read that there were a lot of kids their age mm. around there. So like a lot of kids had, you know, friends to play with and stuff like that. So it seemed like life was good for them and Ketty. I'm, 
and I suppose the resorts I mean obviously I can only talk about what I see in films and stuff but um I take it the resorts are kind of like in a nice location like fields and trees and maybe some water or something so maybe a fun place to kind of like hang out and explore and stuff like that yeah because from what I've seen from the pictures and stuff it seems like it was in like a mountain area like very woodsy Mm. lots of trees um (coughs) so yeah I don't yeah um but it also I also read that Sue's ex-husband had been in the Navy, so family was accustomed to moving a lot, and they looked forward to being in one place for a while. Uh, Sue also had a hard time making ends meet. She received $250 from her ex-husband, food stamps, and was on social wel- welfare. She was also enrolled in a federal education program that gave her money to attend classes at the local community college. Sue began taking business classes, and her classmates recall her being a good student. Sue worked hard and obtained excellent grades. Her classmates also recall her being a bit of a loner. So, yeah, I read that she didn't really um, socialize with other students very much. Like, she kind of kept to herself. She was more Mm. um, the kind of person that studied alone. She didn't really study with a lot of people. Uh, She didn't really join in on, like, coffee breaks, or she never went to lunch with anybody or yeah she didn't really make a lot of friends so um okay but from the from what i read it doesn't seem like she minded either minded it either like it seemed like some people are are like that aren't they they just like to kind of be in their own company yeah like and i mean she has five kids so it's like she her attention was probably (laughs) directed at her five children anyway so Mm. it's like you don't have much time for you know outside socializing when you have no you don't take care of at home so I mean, I can understand. Uh, She also faced a lot of stigmatism in the community because people didn't like that she was on welfare and she seemed to date a lot of men. People gossiped, accusing her of dealing drugs or sleeping with men for money, which... Yeah, I I read that and I was like, oh my God, it's so fucking stupid. Like, there's nothing wrong with being on welfare because do you know what? It can happen so easily. Yep. Most people are a paycheck away from welfare and it can happen like even to people that have money you can lose money really quickly so oh yeah get off that little high horse you're on and you know yeah real i mean really it's like just because she's on welfare doesn't mean she's not you know a good person like because she's obviously a good mother like reading Mm -hmm. from reading from this she was a very good mother she had a very good head on her shoulders from what i can see you know she it's not like she was going to school and getting bad grades and then she dropped out and you know started trying to better herself yeah. Yeah. And that's what you know? makes this case the more, all the more mm. tragic because she was trying to like make a better life for herself and her children. Yeah. And then this exactly. is what happens. So it's, uh, it's kind of a hard, <laughs> it's kind of a hard case to talk about just because it's like, you know, not that other true crime cases aren't equally as difficult to talk about, but this one is particularly sad for me just because it's like they were moving to this place for a new life you know, she was Better trying life. to, yeah. yeah. Um, she was trying to, she was working hard. She wanted to, you know, she wanted to get a good job. She wanted to provide for her family and then, you know, fate had other plans, I, I guess, know. but it's just sad. Um, but, uh, and a significant reason for the gossip was because Sue kept to herself. She didn't make a lot of friends. This was most likely because she spent most of her adult life moving and wasn't accustomed to establishing lasting friendships. Sue didn't seem to mind the isolation and she didn't care for what people thought about her. She just looked forward to building her life into something else. She hoped to own a small business, buy a house suitable for the kids and keep them safe. So that's so sad. I know it's really sad. Cause it's like you, 
you think about it and it's just, it, it goes back to that saying, like, why do bad things happen to such good people? It does. And kind of like what you said there about, you know, people gossiped about it because she kept to herself. Because some people, like, they don't understand your lifestyle. Like a lot of people yeah. don't understand my relationship with my husband because we're very, we live together, but we're very separate in what we do. Like we do a lot yeah. of things apart and that really suits us. And people don't understand that. They think that's weird and there's something wrong with us. And I think the problem is, but me and him are happy the way we are. But yeah, I think when you act a certain way that people don't understand, instead of just kind of accepting you for, you know, the way you want to live your life, they they put it down like you're some sort oh, of weirdo. Yeah. And part of me kind of thinks that um, sometimes I think it's more of a like people wish that they could have certain aspects of your life the freedom like I have yeah. a lot of freedom in my life and sometimes I think maybe you know and I know people that don't and it's kind of like you know they can't have what you have so they slag it off yeah mm-hmm. yeah know? or it's kind of like that small because it seems like Keddy, California isn't the biggest town in the world it seems like it was actually small town mentality small small town breeds small-minded people so it's like one of those things where you know if you if you move to a small town like this just expect people to talk about you because i remember um for example like my family lives in kansas and my parents live in like a freaking small town it's called ransom kansas and it has maybe like 600 something people there oh wow that is small. it's it's small so when we all when uh i first moved out there with them um everybody in town knew who we were. They knew like where we were moving into. Um, we didn't deal with like a whole lot of gossip per se, but it's just like, my example is, is just like when you move into a small place like this, everybody knows everybody. So it's like, yeah. if you're not, if you're not part of that community, then you're automatically like an outsider to people. So it's like, when you move into a new place, people are like already kind of weary about you. But then, you know, it seems like Sue wasn't a standoffish person by any means, not from what I can read. No, just a bit kept to herself to herself. But I think this is kind of like her situation here in like the small town is almost like um, like today what we have with social media and stuff like that is people see something, they make up their mind about what it means and there's no change in that. Even if like they they just don't want to know. And you see that every day with social media and this is kind of like a version of that. This little group of people in their own little social media way have yeah. said, this is what this is, and that's that. And then everyone, the problem is, is one thing I hate um, with situations like this and things in general is people fuel the fire. So yep. if someone comes up and goes, oh, Sue is this, then someone will go, yes, she is. And then yes, she is, yes, she is. And nobody yep. kind of takes a step back and, you know, goes well hang on a second she's just kind of keeping herself to herself like people yeah. fuel what people believe and that's why it gets so bad because nobody is willing to kind of go actually she's just some woman doing a business course looking after her kids minding her own business yeah yeah you know and who gives a shit if she's sleeping with men who cares yeah it's like you know, you know? what like none of your business she can do whatever she wants she's a grown woman exactly. she can if she you was know. a bloke it'd be like pat on the back but like you know who cares yeah. It would be a different, it would be a different thing if she was, you know, if she was bringing these men over and putting her children in danger or doing drugs or leaving her kids home for hours at a time and not taking care of them or, you know, all these things that, you know, someone that 
you know, if she was sleeping with men for money, like most of the scenarios are like, they don't care about their kids. And it just seems mm-hmm. like for Sue, it was the exact opposite of that. Like she, yeah. she, she loved her kids. She took very good care of her kids from mm-hmm. what I can see, from what I can see, she took very good care of her children, you know, yeah. like her children. It doesn't seem like her children to me, it seems like she would have um, given her children a meal to eat before she ever ate one. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it 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 does upset me like when i was reading that i was like god people just people are the worst people are the worst they really yeah. are shit and they get something in their head and then they tell someone else and then they tell someone else and nobody wants to actually know the truth they want the mm-hmm. juicy the juicy gossip the juicy yep. version and um i don't have any time for that like don't get me wrong yeah. i love a good gossip like the next person but you know not when it's so unbelievably harmful to yeah. other people you know, um, but this this is and I just don't like drug dealing like you can, you should never accuse someone of doing that. You know, no. you just shouldn't, you know, even yeah. if you've got hardcore facts, just people need to mind their own business. Exactly. <laughs> just, it's... People need to mind their own business. It drives me because the worst thing is, is like you get all these people that because obviously over here at the moment with the whole Harry and, Harry and Meghan thing, like, you know, and I turn around to my friends. I we have a guy called Jeremy Carl over here, which is kind of like your um, uh, real sloppy talk show host that has like yeah. those people that I can't remember the name of the guy that you guys used to have. But I used to watch him. It's like that. And I just like you know the royal family. They're like everybody else. They have their shit, but they're yeah. you know. But we then feel that we have some sort of right over to tell them. them how to live their lives, and yeah. we're all doing exactly the same fucking thing. That's the thing. The people who are criticizing her are are not innocent in their lives. They're doing yeah. shit. And that's what annoys me. It's like you're not some virginal fucking God. <laughs> you're doing shit, too. Exactly. So keep your shit to yourself and keep exactly. other sh- people shit. You know, mind just mind we, your fucking business. Like mind your fucking business. Plain and simple. Dri- it drives you know, me mad. drives me mad. Everyone's yeah. got a fucking opinion. Yeah, you get these fucking millennials with these cell phones that are like constantly <laughs> filming uh, everything. Yeah, <laughs> I would tell you, I'm glad that I grew up in an era. I I had my first mobile phone when I was 25 because I I that that's because I was that old. But oh, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that shit that they have yeah. to. Deal with. Uh, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. It's like everybody. All the in terrible. Their- Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say everybody and their fucking grandmother has a fucking smartphone yeah. now. And it's, you know, anytime you go anywhere and it's like, oh, you're going to refuse service to me because I was a fucking asshole and was so rude. And you're now you're kicking me out. Well, here now I'm going to film you with my camera phone and I'm going to call the police and say that I'm being attacked by you. I am being attacked like you are you are attacking my basic human rights of being able to sit here in peace and drink my coffee and talk to people however I want to. It's like you get these people that just are just so fucking ridiculous that it's just like, yes. do you, what world do you live in where you think it's okay for you to walk around and talk to people the way you do and then not expect to get kicked out of a public place? Like, I know, I, I know I, you, I watch these videos myself and I'm literally like, I wonder though, do they go home and watch them themselves and go, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Or probably go, not. Probably not yeah. because these people are so, you know, fucking what's the word? not i don't want to say brainwashed but they're so night not naive either they're just so in denial of their own fucking like actions they're never wrong nope nope 
you can't tell them otherwise they're not wrong you're wrong like exactly exactly and that's yeah. the that's what the community that she lived in mm-hmm. that's what she that's what sue probably had to deal with you know oh, probably on a daily basis it seems like it seems like like i can just picture it she's just walking around minding her own business and people are just like oh did you see what she did today did you, oh she yeah. went she went to the supermarket but she you know she was talking to that guy at the she's talking to that guy at the checkout counter i think they might be fucking behind the scenes for money it's yeah, just she's definitely shagging him yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man but um yeah next i kind of want to talk about the events uh leading up to it so this is april 11th 1981 so this is the well and it's hard to determine so it's hard to determine whether the murders occurred you know the 11th at uh because i'm pretty sure it happened right right so april 11th is the day before uh Hmm. the murder so um saturday april 11th was a normal day johnny and his best friend dana wingate decided to go to quincy the next town over to find a party sheila and tina played at the neighboring cabin with the seabolt children ricky and greg were at home with sue ricky and greg had their friend justin over and the three boys spent most of the day riding bikes and playing outside this was a normal well i mean this was a normal saturday i feel like for the the sharp family because everyone lives so close together so Hmm. it wasn't unusual for you know, the children to be, you know, at the neighbor's house or for Johnny and Dana to be, you know, out and about doing other things. So like, this was kind of like a normal, normal Mm. day for them. Um, And uh, they played until dark before finally coming home for the night. Justin had planned to stay over for a sleepover. Tina also returned that evening while Sheila stayed, uh, planned to stay overnight at the Seabolt's house. Johnny and Dana also had plans to return that evening, but when they returned remains unclear. Um, and mm. I've heard, I've heard, um, differing times of when they got home. Some, some people say it was around eight thirty nine 9 PM. Other people say it was like closer to like 10 30, 11 PM. Yeah. I don't, mm. I don't know. Other people say that, you know, uh, they hitchhiked back to Ketty and whoever they hitchhiked back with were the people that murdered them. But I don't know. That's well, <laughs> you'll, you'll find, um, one thing I find when doing true crime episodes mm-hmm. is there's so many, you kind of have to try and figure out yourself and you may be wrong. You may be right, but there's so many different like dates and times and stuff like that are the worst for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I find myself going, Oh God. So you just, sometimes you just pick one that kind of pops up the most, but yeah. sometimes others pop up as well. So it's kind of, you know, you have to because there's some really hardcore people that be like no it was this time you're just like fuck off (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man um but yeah so little greg was the first to go to bed around 8 30 p.m then tina around 9 30 ricky and justin joined sue to watch love boat and then they too went to bed around 10 p.m so i guess i guess looking at this time frame um mm. dana and johnny must have gone home past 10 p.m so i'm, I'm assuming mm. anywhere between 10 p.m and 11 p.m is when they around that mm. time maybe even later than that but um sue remained on the couch watching tv dozing off but not ready to turn in more than likely she was waiting for johnny and dana to return home before officially yeah. going to bed um and then people remember you know the night of april 11th kind of being just any normal saturday night people coming and going out of ketty uh some people you know, some of the locals going to and from the bar, they had like a little bar called the, called the backdoor bar, which makes me laugh. 
kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. <laughs> My immature five-year-old brain sometimes, you know. A sexual thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. I went exactly, I went directly to the sexual aspect of that name. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, but people do note kind of a few odd occurrences that happened on that night. Um, a dog barking near cabin 28, uh, cats pacing back and forth all night when they normally slept. Uh, someone else also noted that the back porch light at cabin 28 was on at 4 a.m. But I mean, even then, like these weren't really signs for alarm. Like this didn't really no. cause anybody, you know, alarm. So kind of just went unnoticed. It was kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. But, you know, it's just like these little things that you see that you don't normally see where you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. You just kind of shrug it off, I feel like. So um, the, the question that I've always wondered is how did you know, if there's, if there's multiple people in this cabin getting murdered, like how did, how did nobody hear about, hear it? That, that, that's the thing actually, because especially the three, um, which I know we'll probably get into, but the three A that survived and the plus the way they made it sound, the cabins were quite near to other cabins. Yeah. And you think if that much commotion was going on. Yeah. You know, and that's why, which again, we'll get into one of the main suspects is kind of believable because, because yeah. their cabin was next to it. Um, you kind of think like, how could you not hear that? Especially, And the thing is the reason as well, like there's no way one person did this because so many people were killed. Oh yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? And, and people involved and Johnny and Johnny and Dana were full, like they weren't full grown men, but they were, I mean, I feel like they'd be old enough to, you know, if there was one person, they'd be old enough to fight them off somewhat. Mm. So it just seems like there were multiple people involved. I, I think there might've even been more than two people. Yeah. Um, just because of, so, just because of how many people were in that cabin that night, mm. like to be able to contain that chaos and contain three people, not just three people, but four people because Tina as well, it, it just seems like there were, there were, I would, I would, I would like to throw out a theory out there and say that there were at least like three to four people there yeah no that yeah it's it's it just makes no sense like obviously you know luckily we've touched wood we've never been in that situation but it's just like what they did to them and the fact that people were in there and survived and it, it just it just makes no sense that not more of a like kerfuffle was made yeah on the night because as well, it would be quiet. So you'd if someone's shouting and screaming, you'd hear it. And there's no way, because I I don't know if I don't remember any mention of a gun. You know? Yeah, me either. You I know, don't so remember. like, you know, obviously if if a gun's to your head and you know, someone says you don't talk, be quiet, maybe you might not talk. But if someone's not got a gun and they've kind of got a weapon. I suppose with a with a like a, a hammer or something, you probably feel like there's more chance of you maybe taking off them fighting. Whereas if a gun's to your head, you know there's oh, more yeah. chance of being kind of screwed. Like so, you would have thought that there would have been more of a fight. Whereas yeah. if there was that many people, like they might have done the whole look. If you if you're quiet about this, then we won't kill the little kids. And you maybe, know you don't yeah. really know what was said. Like, do you know what I mean? Because like you know, obviously, yeah. if someone says if you if you comply. I'm not going to go kill your five-year-old kid. Right. And you're right. going to comply. Yeah. Well, it would be interesting to, um, because I don't want to, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but 
uh, with like the new evidence that they have now and like DNA mm-hmm. testing and stuff. Um, I'm curious to see if, you know, if this case does get solved, if they're the persons involved, if uh, some of them are still alive, I would, mm-hmm. it would be interesting to hear their account and mm-hmm. to see what exactly went down that night, how exactly it went down. And I guess that would kind of, you know, solve the mystery to what happened. Cause it's just, you know, like you said, it's a very, you know, the cabins aren't very far away from each other. It's a very quiet wooded mm. area. So like, if you've ever been camping, it's like fucking, you could hear a pin drop from, mm. you know, a mile away. Cause it's just how quiet it is in the woods when you, you know, are camping at night. I just, I feel like, I feel like somebody could have heard something. Yeah, no, I agree because, um, well, but for me, the big problem was for me is the the kids that the because pe- three people were in the house that night that survived, and that that's where the issue is for me. Now I know mm-hmm. one of them has kind of um, you know spoken about how they saw something, but they didn't know if it was a dream, and it's kind of the story's chopped and changed. Um, but it's hard to believe with the brutality of what happened. And obviously there'll be screaming and shouting, please don't do this or all this kind of stuff, pleading and, you know, the pain of being hit and stuff that three people didn't wake up to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the two boys that slept through the whole thing, they don't remember a single thing. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't remember yeah. anything. Um, and I think, I think one of the big things here, because obviously we don't really know what happened. Obviously we'll never know what happened in within that cabin. So you kind of jump to the next day when she calls the police, she gets it. Cause obviously the sister, Sheila, that was her name, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. She, she goes running back to cabin. Tw- is it 27? She goes running back to cabin 27 and she's like, you know, they sound the alarm and then, but the police don't do an investigation that right suggests away. that well it's kind of like you kind of as you kind of read through it you it feels like a bit of a cover-up oh yeah oh yeah and well yeah well I was uh, um yeah we'll we'll get that because I have some I have some theories of my own on that as well because a lot of there's there's a lot of sketchy shit going on with this case especially when you get down to you know how um certain things went about but yeah yeah, well, I think uh, we should first talk about the scene that uh, that um, yeah. Sheila yeah. walked into because it's uh, pretty pretty gnarly. The the I can't imagine walking in there and seeing my family like that. It would just it would yeah. scar it would literally scar me for life. But uh, yeah, because she was she was coming home at eight a.m. Like it was eight a.m. Mm-hmm. April twelfth, the date in uh, discussion and. Uh, mm-hmm she uh she was planning on going to church like she was going to go to church with the seabolts and so she was yeah. going home to change and then uh she opened the door and uh she found her brother johnny he was lying face up covered in blood his friend dana wingate was also lying face down on the floor they both had been bound at their feet sheila also saw what she thought was a third body underneath a yellow blanket but you know she she being any like any normal human being was like fuck this i'm out and she ran yes you know she ran back to the seabolt's house and then they called the police and then so sheila and james seabolt jr returned to cabin 28 and like you were saying before they discovered the youngest boys and justin seabolt hmm. sleeping in their bedroom unharmed um they woke up the children by knocking on the window and yeah helped them crawl through the window so they wouldn't have to see the horrific sight hmm. in the other room because just imagine having to walk through that no thanks mm-hmm. no 
Um, and then when police arrived, they begin to piece together the horrific scene. Johnny had been beaten and stabbed multiple times and his throat had been slit. Dana Wingate had been strangled and beaten with what was believed to be a hammer, but the hammer wasn't found mm. among the weapons at the scene. So, um, and then each, vi- each victim had been bound with medical tape and electrical cords taken from different appliances around the home. It's believed that one of the suspects had brought the medical tape with them because Sheila stated that the medical tape had not been in the house before. Mm. And then uh, Sue was confirmed to be the third body found in the home under the yellow blanket. She was wearing a robe, but was otherwise naked. Her underwear had been stuffed into her mouth along with a ball of tape and the tape and underwear were secured with an extension cord. And Sue had also been beaten with a claw hammer and stabbed multiple times. Tina Sharp was also found to be missing from the scene. And uh, then we'll just get into like some of the evidence that they found. So uh, evidence includes drops of blood on Tina's bed, a bloody footprint in the yard, knife marks on various walls in the home, and a bloody fingerprint on the inside of a door frame and a railing. It is strongly believed that at least two people would have had be, would have been needed to control the chaos. The killers were also in no rush. The victim di- victims died of their wounds, except for Dana. There were lone pools of blood on the living room floor, indicating the boys had been moved and repositioned. The bottom of Sue's bare feet and one of the boys' shoes were covered in blood, suggesting that at one point they were mobile and had walked in blood. So, sounds to me like there was, you know, like you were saying there was a bit of a struggle when they first got there. Uh, especially if you recollect, recollect, uh, Justin's dream of what he thinks happened. Mm. Um, it seems like there might've been a struggle. And then once the victims were probably, I'm sure immobilized, they couldn't do anything. I, I feel like they were like, it's, it's weird that they were moved around. It just seems weird that they would just move the victims around the, the cabin for no reason. Like why, why wouldn't they just keep them in one spot and just kill them right where they, right where they stood kind of a thing. Cause it, cause if that, cause if what they're saying is true, if what they believe is true, that they were, you know, they were mobile and walking around in their own blood, like Mm. why though, you know, maybe they wanted them to suffer. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's just the, maybe that's just the simple answer. Maybe they just wanted them to suffer more, which is just insane. Because one of the obviously i won't go into the theory now but one of the theories would almost suggest that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like you mess with my life almost i'm gonna mess with yours that's true yeah um you know yeah well and then not only that but the, the the killer whoever the killers were were very smart about it because detectives noted a lack of fingerprints and identifiable mm-hmm. dna left at the scene this led the detectives to believe that the spe- suspects wore gloves and were prepared and uh, this was obviously the 1980s, so mm. forensic evidence was not <laughs> a thing at the time. Like you, they didn't have the technology for it until the mid 1980s. So, mm. you know, hair, skin cells, and other DNA transfers weren't gathered from the scene. Which, I mean, even then, though, it's like I don't know. Like you would think that you would at least gather that stuff for testing later on. Well, did you know they know I mean? that that would be a thing they could test? I mean, no, but I don't know. Just I feel like maybe it's just me being like the the <laughs> I don't know, like the the thinking part of my brain would think, you know, maybe this stuff might be useful later. So maybe it would be best. Maybe it would be a good idea no. to, you know, I don't know. No, I I no, I agree with that. And like I read that the. the 
the police kind of just plowed on through the house like there was yeah. no like real and, and and that's what I have a big problem with is the fact that there there didn't seem to be any sense of urgency with this like the fact that we better like you know keep the scene as clean as possible let's get oh, yeah. forensics in that there's them do this and every man and his dog just kind of went plodding through like it didn't matter and that's the thing it's yeah. like and I have a huge the, the, that's why you kind of like suspect that you know the police might have done a bit of a cover-up because if it was you know a legit scene where they wanted to find out who it was you wouldn't I mean that's basic fucking police work right I'm not a yeah. policewoman and I even know that if there's a fucking murder stay back like don't go don't touch yeah, don't, anything yeah don't touch anything don't walk through anything leave hey. it as it was like um yeah and they believe that all the blood at the scene was that like all the blood at the scene belonged to the victims it's like well you can't just assume that you have to exactly. assume that there was some sort of struggle I'm sure that you know if there is such a huge struggle, I'm sure like whoever was, you know, attacking these victims probably got attacked as well <laughs> at some point. Cause I mean, if somebody's trying to fucking kill me, I'm going to fight back with all I've got. Well, exactly. Exactly. Like, I, There's I'm no going to draw way. blood. Yeah. Yeah. And the, like, the, 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 there might be hair. There might be something. Hair. You know? And I think fingernail, yeah. fingernail, you know, under the fingernails, there might be skin fiber yeah. there might yeah. be skin under the fingernails yeah. like they did they it doesn't seem like they checked any of that and um the weapons that they found also they found two bloody kitchen knives a hammer and a pellet gun and then the knife one of the knives had been bent so like had been used with so much force that one of the knives was like bent that's how savage this was like that's how that's how savage these people were when they killed when and you like you were saying like ed kemper says that it's not easy to stab somebody in real life like it's a lot harder. So it's like for someone to stab somebody so hard that one of the knives is bent, that tells you that this was like a fucking vicious crime, whoever killed. And that, that also brings me back to, you know, this seems like it was a, a either a crime of passion or a crime mm. of out of anger. So yeah, when we get to the yeah. suspects later on, it definitely seems obvious like that this was not just a random <laughs> this wasn't just a random crime this was definitely it seems like they planned it ahead of time especially since they're wearing gloves and like mm. they were prepared ahead of time it seems like this was a very calculated mm -hmm, yeah. very mm. calculated uh crime so um but yeah what we were just talking about with the investigation the, this whole thing like when i was reading this i was like oh my god like i was getting so angry because it's just like the crime scene was not contained and it was riddled mm. with errors and oversights and so deputy hank clement was the first to arrive at the scene and confirmed that the three bodies were deceased sergeant jerry shaver arrived next and interviewed people outside at some point shaver and clement walked through the house which is like no don't do that okay. do stop can i ask a question yeah so you said there about how he walked through the deputy hank clement walked through the house and said they were deceased aren't isn't a, like a a uh, oh, what like a called? medical examiner, examiner, yeah. yeah. The car begins with C. I can't think coroner, of the word coroner. Coroner, yeah. Are they supposed to do that? Typically, don't yes. do that. No, police are supposed to contain the scene. Is what police yeah. are supposed to do. Yeah, and I thought <laughs> that was weird. You can't go in and do that. Yeah, and they're like walking all through the house, and probably I'm sure probably fucking touching things and 
Hmm. You know, walking through the blood that's on the on the floor. I'm sure. But if just... you're if you're if you're checking someone's pulse, you're standing in what they're in. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because. I'm sure, you know, when you stab somebody, I wouldn't know from personal experience, obviously, but I'm sure when you stab somebody, it's not clean. It's very messy. There's probably going to, there's blood everywhere. Splatter and everything, and, you, yeah. and I don't know if you looked at the crime scene photos, but there's a lot of fucking blood. Like the carpet is just. I haven't seen them. There's, it's soaked in blood. Like there's just blood everywhere. Like there was blood on the walls. There was blood on the freaking carpet. Just, it was, it was a really, really. <laughs> really brutal crime scene but yeah it's just just the fact that they're walking through the house and then all these other like sheriff um sylvester dog doug thomas and assistant sheriff ken shanks arrived and uh then don stoy joined them by the and then by the time photographs of the scene had even been taken five people had already walked through this crime scene five freaking people not including james and sheila because james also uh walked through the house kind of and was calling out um People to any me, like yeah. possible survivors so he had walked through the scene sheila had walked into it not realizing what she was walking into so it's like you've got to you've got to assume that there were seven people that walked through the scene before you know photographs of the crime scene were even taken and that to me is just and and i wanted to play devil's advocate here for a minute because this is not an uncommon thing actually mm-hmm. like i've heard a lot of true crime podcasts talk about this kind of thing like with with murder investigations like it was not an uncommon thing back in that day for for kind of shit like this to happen but it's like you also have to assume maybe it is a small town you know people don't lock their doors it's it, it's a typically safe place to stay so maybe they're just not used to dealing with something to this caliber mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but even still like like you were saying it's common sense like it's a murder scene. So if you want to solve the murder, don't fucking walk through shit and touch stuff and move stuff around and disturb the scene. Wait until investigators get there, you know, wait until photographs can be taken of the scene, you know, samples can be taken, all that stuff. It just seems to me like there was no care whatsoever taken. And not to mention that I also read here and I was like, are you kidding me? It took them several hours to notice that Tina was even unaccounted for. I know I saw that several hours to notice that that the 12 year old daughter was missing yeah i saw that that was and the thing about this whole case like obviously the murders are discussing yeah she's the she's the because i when you mentioned this case to me i didn't remember what it was Mm -hmm. and then when i did i was like no actually i do know what it is and the reason i don't i didn't want to look at it is because of her yeah she's only 12 and i have a problem with her kids and stuff like that but when i read that i was like how the fuck could you not notice that a fucking 12 year old kid was missing yeah well and well and they said that um i read also something here that uh they said that they've the hope was that maybe she had been hiding out in the woods or that she she got scared and hid somewhere and so you know they were hoping that she was still alive and just you know, hiding out. Cause they said that she used to like make forts and hideouts in the woods all the time. Mm. So they thought that maybe she was out in the woods hiding somewhere, but even then it's like several hours though. And you just realize that she's not there. Like yeah. just so there's so many things that just baffle me with this investigation. And it just quite frankly, like kind of annoys me and irritates me because it's like, if I feel like if greater care would have been shown, maybe this, mm 
case would have been solved sooner. I, I mean, I totally get the whole, you know, it's the 1980s, it, you know, forensics and technology didn't begin to occur until like the, the, oh, like the mid 1980s, late and 1980s when technology was getting, you know, more advanced. But even then it's like, there's, there's things that you do that could have, <laughs> I don't know, aided in solving yeah. this case sooner. It just, it just baffles me that this case has been left unsolved for 40 years. But then you also have to assume like when we get into like the suspects and, you know, the suspicion surrounding this case, you also have to think of, you know, Hmm. what what could have been covered up potentially because i don't want to i don't want to state i don't want to state these that kind of a theory as a fact because it's not but Hmm. it just seems when you read some of this stuff it's like hmm that's interesting because uh suspicious right and and i i uh it kind of baffled investigators that the three boys had been left unharmed because they could have been potential witnesses so the fact that these three boys were left completely unharmed in this room Hmm. you know could have seen and heard everything that occurred that night. Um, but Ricky and Greg had no recollection of what happened, but Justin, you know, this is kind of interesting. We briefly talked about that a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but uh, Justin reported to his mother that he had dreamed that he had heard noises in the living room. He recollected seeing Sue in the living room, talking to two men, Johnny and Dana walked in the front door and began arguing with the men. And then a fight broke out and Tina came into the room, but was quickly taken outside by one of mm-hmm. the men. So it's like, that can't be a dream. That seems no. That can't be a dream. No, no. So like, um, but like his, his testimonies have changed throughout his life. And, you know, as you were saying, he was put under hypnosis and he gave a detailed account. And uh, while the statement he gave didn't exactly line up with the evidence, it is believed that Justin was a witness of the horrific events that occurred that night. And due to the trauma may have caused him, caused him to forget certain things or have an inconsistent memory type thing, which I truly believe that he was a witness. Mm. I, I truly yeah, I, 100% I believe because it's like, you can't, you know, you can't say that you saw certain things. And then, especially when these, when these things actually did occur, like with the whole Tina thing, yeah. like I believed it from the, you know, I believed it from the moment he said that, you know, he saw, you know, Dana, well, not even when Dana and uh, Johnny got home, cause he knew that they were gone, but it's like, as soon as he said, Tina came in the room and then was taken by one of the men like i was like okay that's definitely not a dream because that actually did happen tina was missing so yeah i i 100 believe that he was he he saw what happened that night but i i wonder now because obviously he's well he's gonna be a guy in his nearly six nearly 60 50s 60s yeah like what like if you spoke to him now what would you say because if it was one of the suspects that we're going to talk about Mm-hmm. You think he would have remembered that? Yeah. Yeah, you would think so. But, well, and I don't know. I don't know. Trauma has a weird way of doing things to your brain, though. Because, like, I mean, he could very well, like, not be remembering things correctly. But. Yeah. I definitely believe that he was there, though, for sure. That he witnessed mm. what happened. Uh, to mm-hmm. some extent, at least, I don't know yeah. if he. W- I don't know if he watched everything that occurred that night, or if he just saw bits and pieces of it. But he definitely. I. I one hundred percent believe he was definitely there. Well, you know, there's a film, isn't there? Cabin Twenty Eight. It's called. I haven't yeah. seen it, but I watched the trailer, and there was a scene in the trailer where there's. I think it's three little kids mm-hmm. are under a bed, and they're looking if someone's walking by, and to me i kind of thought is that like saying they seen it 
yeah. because they may not have been part of it, but they seen it. So they're under, which obviously according to this, these kids were asleep. So they weren't under the bed Yeah, in this they're under the bed and they mm-hmm. see it. So is that like saying that film kind of saying, actually, no, they did see it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Films have a way of uh, going yeah. off the, <laughs> off of the rails. Yeah. Not always following um, what's fact and what's not, you know, exactly. so I don't know. But That's... Part, part of that was kind of like, I was like, Hmm. Does he know more than he's than saying? He's saying. And, yeah. 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 It's, an, it's only 12 and you can't be mad at a 12 year old. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, he, I definitely believe he was there, but it's like, how much of it did he see and how much of it did, did he not see, you know, it's, it, it's, it's all kind of speculation at this point. We're not mm. really sure, yeah. you know, what he Exactly. What he saw and what he didn't see. I mean, I, I guess he did go into like a detailed, detailed account. So maybe, you know, and I don't know if those transcripts or anything like that has ever been released to the public. I couldn't find anything of like his detailed description on what happened that night. So I don't know. I mean, but I honestly believe that he was there and that he witnessed a lot of what happened. So I don't know that, I that can probably cause a lot of trauma to somebody. So I can understand why yeah. he probably doesn't want to remember it. Mm. <laughs> Um, definitely. but, uh, yeah. And then nobody could figure out who the intended target was for the slains because they kind of went back and forth from all the victims, but no one really had any enemies or altercations with anybody. Um, I feel like if anybody had any enemies, it would be Sue, but not necessarily because she made any enemies. It's just because she was also already kind of like a social pariah. So it's Mm -hmm. like, she could have unknowingly made enemies without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. So that's where my mind goes. It's just like, I feel like this was either a crime of passion or a crime of out of, it was definitely a crime of passion or a crime out of anger because it's just like nobody, unless you're really that psychotic, nobody really goes that far to, to kill somebody to the point where you fucking almost bend a knife in half. Like, yeah, I think, I think if it was just her, you could kind of understand it, but it's because but it's the fact that it was um, so many people, mm-hmm. like it was kids. And like one of the girls was just like there. She doesn't, she wasn't even part of the family, like Dana. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, and that, that, that's why sometimes I kind of believe like the, the whole story about like why one of the suspects did it. Like it's very believable yeah. at the same time. Like you're like, well, why kill them? Like, you know, I mean, you could have come, gone in with masks on and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so so that part of it doesn't sit right with me. And like, I know people do kill because of witnesses and stuff like that, but it just, it was, it was so brutal. Yeah. Like the, the, the kills were so brutal for everyone. It wasn't just like, it was brutal for Sue. It was brutal for like, the for all the, all the kids. Yeah. Well, and then the fact that they found knife marks in the walls too indicates that like anger. So it just seems like somebody was like pissed off Mm. and whatever happened that night was out of a fit of rage or a crime of passion or whatever you want to call it. But this, this doesn't seem like just a random coincidence at all. Um, But the fact that, that like, like, as we've said, it feels like it was more than one person that you could get another person because it's something that's always baffled me is how you can get another person involved in something like this. Like, how do you bring it up? Yeah. What are you doing Saturday night? Fancy going and slaughtering a family. But it's like, it's just so weird to me that they got someone involved. So 
the person that was involved, were they angry or did they just, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm not doing anything that night. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's crazy, but uh, yeah. Well, and then um, I do, I do appreciate that like the police kind of pursued many theories. They put like 4,000 working hours into the case. So, I mean, that's good, but could have done better to not, you know, tamper with the scene, but you know, uh, and then they even like listed serial killers, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis tool as possible suspects. I, I, I didn't know that. I yeah, didn't know that. I didn't know that, that either until I looked that up yeah. and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause they were active mm. in the area of the killings, but they were ruled out later on. Um, okay. But uh kind of want to talk about how like the community of Ketty kind of changed after that. Cause people, you know, people, immediately feared that it was somebody among them or somebody Mm. that they knew that had committed the crimes. And then, you know, people begin locking their doors at night and there was like an extreme distrust for the Plumas County Sheriff's office because many people believe that the case had been quietly tucked away. Many believe that some of the leads weren't followed up. Evidence wasn't checked or was ignored completely, which sounds about right to me when, Mm. especially when you think about the fact that, as we were saying earlier, there, there just didn't seem to be much of a rush to figure out who did this there. It just seemed very like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, we'll, we'll take some pictures. We'll walk through the scene. We'll, you know, talk to, we'll talk to witnesses, potential witnesses. It it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of care taken into it. And so Mm. to me, and especially when you get into when we get into the suspects later, that one of the suspects was kind of friendly with the sheriff's department also, just Mm. spikes my suspicion up to even more than it was Mm. already um but before we get into that i kind of wanted to talk about the discovery of tina's body Mm. because um on april 22nd 1984 three years and 11 days after the murders the disappearance and disappearance of tina sharp a bottle collector discovered a cranium portion of a human skull and part of a mandible they were discovered at camp 18 near feather falls in neighboring butt county roughly a hundred well it says roughly a hundred miles from the article that i read but i've also read that it was only like 28 miles but okay. i i'm i'm gonna believe the article that i read so if i'm mm-hmm. if i'm wrong you know feel free to correct me but i'm not usually a true crime <laughs> person this is my first true crime episode so forgive me if i get some you know certain things wrong but yeah it said roughly 100 miles from ketty um the buck county sheriff's office also received an anonymous an anonymous the Butt County Sheriff's Office received an anonymous phone call from somebody telling them where Tina's remains could be found. And this is another thing that baffles me because the call was not documented in the case. And Mm. in 2013, a recording of this call was found at the bottom of an evidence box. So it wasn't even like nobody bothered with it. That's Um, terrifying. Yeah. And then the remains uh, were confirmed by a forensics expert expert to be the remains of tina sharp near the remains investigators also found a blue nylon jacket a blanket a pair of levi strauss jeans with a missing back pocket and an <clears throat> surgical tape dispenser so that's where the tape went that's where the tape well, dispenser went i first of all it's terrifying at the fact that the person that rang apparently said tina I've I've found the remains of Tina, mm-hmm. which I'm not being funny. If you see a fucking skeleton, you know, yeah. you're not gonna, you know, it wasn't an ID there. Like kids don't have ID. But um one of the things that I found um truly terrifying that I just literally have jumped out of my head 
and I can't fucking remember what it is. <laughs> just came and went like that. It just came and went like that. That is so annoying. Um, uh, I can't. Oh my god, it's gone. I was actually going to say something, and it's gone out of my head. Well, I brought up the um, empty surgical tape dispenser, and then mm. um, like the stuff that was found at the scenes. I don't know if that'll jog your memory, but. You're going to say something like that's really terrifying that something, but. Oh yeah. I know what it is. Um, the fact I read somewhere that apparently when they did a, um, uh, an autopsy test thing mm-hmm. that she died six months after she was taken. Oh yeah. 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 So she was alive for six months. Apparently. I'm not sure if that's true, but apparently they're saying that she died around November of that year which is about six months after and that was due to the like uh you know decomposition of her um but they couldn't kind of determine how she was killed Mm -hmm. so like the reason i find this whole thing terrifying is what happened to her in those six months yeah because they said like the whole which you know wouldn't be unusual is she was taken for um you know sex trafficking and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. which is terrifying in itself um but if she was for six months what what did they do with her and i suppose that kind of comes in with um the whole suspects thing is if it was who like the main people who were kind of living in the area yeah what what did they do with her for six months yeah because if she was okay i hate to say this but if she was used for sex trafficking you would just keep her for that you wouldn't kill her in six months yeah i don't know it it's hard to imagine like what would have what happened to her because like if 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 what if what you're saying is true that she was that they said that she was alive for six months after the fact before she died Hmm. like like what what happened within those six months like that's it's hard to think. It, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to think about it either, you know, because like the sex trafficking thing doesn't make sense to me because if she was that, if she was used for that, then they wouldn't have killed her because she'd have just been taken somewhere. And unfortunately, because obviously that goes on in the world because people are fucking bastards. Yeah. Um, you know, they would have they would have kept her for that. Do you know what I mean? There would have been no yeah. reason to kill her. Um, but the fact that she was, they're saying she was six months after, like, I, it just makes no fucking sense. It just yeah. makes no sense. Because what do you, because how old was she? Was she 12? Did you she say? She was 12, yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck do you do with a 12 year old girl for six months? Like, you're going to have to feed her. You're going to have to look after her. Yeah. You're going to have to keep her somewhere. Yeah. <sighs> you know? So if it wasn't for that, like, what the fuck? right to her right yeah it's and that's the frustrating things about cases like this is like like all the cases i usually cover i have an answer um because unsolved unsolved mysteries like they kind of like i want to watch them but at the same time i get really frustrated with them yeah yeah because you're like what happened why can't we solve this yeah exactly and i think then that kind of obviously leads into the whole suspect thing Ooh, yeah, I'm excited Ooh, to get into so, the suspects. So, so what's your kind of take on the suspects thing? Um, 
So it's a, I, what I read on here was that the Plumas County Sheriff's Department interviewed everyone in the Keddie cabins and anyone else who knew the victims among those interviewed with ju was Justin Eason's stepfather, Martin Smart. Okay. And according to Smart, on the night of the murder, he, his friend, John Bo Ubede, Ubede, just going to say that. Yeah. And his wife, Marilyn, had stopped at Sue's cabin to invite her to the bar with them. She Sue declined and they went to the bar. At the bar, Smart had complained to the manager about the music being played. They left shortly afterwards and headed back to the Smart cabin, walking by cabin 28. Marilyn went to bed around 11 p.m. and the men went back to the bar to have more drinks. He said that he and Bo had returned home around midnight. Smart also volunteered information to investigators that he was missing a hammer. And since the police hadn't released information that a hammer was missing from the crime, crime scene, this put Martin at the top of the suspects list, which, yeah, really suspicious when you think about that, because it's like, hmm, I'm missing a hammer. And then, you know, they hadn't even mentioned that yet. So it's like, all right, that's not you're not looking too good right now, buddy. <laughs> and then not to mention, he had only met Bubede a few weeks before April 11th while in a veterans hospital where Martin was receiving treatments for PTSD from serving in Vietnam. So these two obviously aren't completely all there in the head. So it's like, they're also, you know, not saying that they're like crazy, but you know, they're in a hospital where they're recovering from PTSD. So it's like, you know, PTSD. So does some crazy shit to people. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, no, Go on. Oh, no, no, you go. No, the whole thing with Martin is when one thing I find is when people kind of like almost inject themselves into the, the investigation. So he I think by him saying, oh, my hammer went missing. Mm -hmm. So like if that hammer is ever found, he can be like, oh, well, I told them it went missing. Yeah, so he's like in his head. He might think I'm covering myself, but the police are yeah. like. Like, not it's such a it. random thing to like who goes into a house to steal a hammer right right and it's like how is that like the first thing you notice oh my hammer's missing it's like like if he went oh my whole my whole toolbox went missing yeah fair enough like because obviously your hammer is going to be in the toolbox so it's like oh all my tools went missing someone broke into my garage and took all my tools like fair enough but um just to randomly go Oh, I noticed that my hammer was missing. Yeah. That's that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Such a and, random thing to say. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems like he, like you said, he was just trying to cover his tracks. And um, I don't know, but it could have just been a coincidence too, because mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you get these cases where suspects look really, really bad, but it was just kind of like it could have just been a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing, or it just could have been like bad timing. No, but I get that. I get that. When you get, but when you get into this, it really, really, really does seem like he was involved somewhat. Um, but yeah, the smarts moved Bobede, Bubede into their home until he was able to get on his feet. Bubede allegedly didn't think highly of Johnny Sharp, calling him a punk. Bubede had also told people in Keddie that he had been a cop and Martin was friendly with most of the officers. Someone's in the someone in the sheriff's department allegedly tipped off Martin and Bubede that they were suspects, and both men quickly found work outside of California. Bubede was thought to have gone back to Chicago and Smart found a job in Nevada. Bubede died in in uh, Chicago in 1988. So mm, not if long you're, after. 
Right. So it's like, if you're not guilty, why the hell are you so quick to leave? That's that to me is just really, really suspicious. And the fact that the fact that, um, Martin was friendly with most of the officers, officers in the area. And if some, if that is true, that somebody in the sheriff's department tipped them off, then it's like, how can we trust that the sheriff's department isn't a part of this as well? You know? Well, I think the fact like with the whole tape, you know, of, of um, Tina. Yeah. And the fact that like these lads like legged it off as soon as they found out that they might be a suspect. How would you know you were a suspect unless the police told you? Exactly. You know, exactly. so, you know, that's obviously really weird. And obviously your man, Bubedi, he died in 1988. Um, so, you know, that wasn't that long after that was Mm-mm. in the same decade for God's sake. Um, but I think one of the reasons I kind of like Martin is a huge suspect for me is um, the whole relationship with his husband, you know, as a husband and the relationship that his wife had with Sue. Yes, because it talks about how he, you know, he he had cheated on his wife before. Mm. Uh, He was abusive and prone to violent outbursts and was involved in selling drugs. And he had worked at the Ketty Hotel as a cook, but had been fired some weeks before the murders. And uh, Sue Martin and Marilyn had all been taking the same business courses. And it is said that Sue had been counseling Marilyn on leaving her husband. So after April 11th, Martin took work in Nevada and his marriage to Marilyn began to deteriorate. He had sent her a letter where it sounds as though he's confessing to the murders. Hmm. And this is what the letter says. It says, well, this is what part of the letter says. I've paid the price for your love and now I have bought it with four lives and you tell me we're through. Great. So... Hmm. Yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah. It it seems very highly that he I don't know. I feel I feel and like I don't want to speculate because like I said no no uh clear suspects have ever been, you know, confirmed, but to me from what I've read in this whole thing is I feel like Martin was definitely definitely had to have been involved somehow. No, I think that too because like Obviously, she was, uh, uh, Sue was uh, talking to Marilyn about, you know, get away from your husband, basically, because he's this, that and the other. So there's a motive for you right there. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And this lad, uh, Bo, that they let live in their house, you know, come on, I've let you live here. Help me out. Well, in the fact that, yeah, well, in the fact that he didn't like Johnny either, like how he would sit there and say that Johnny's a punk, that would explain why Johnny was like, so which is a weird thing to say about a 15 year old boy yeah that you don't even really know (laughs) no like if you don't like like i mean yeah teenage teenagers boy or girl they can be a bit of a dick but you know to have that kind of like aggressive anger towards someone like to make a point of saying that you know yeah like you don't call in that like to me like teenagers oh god they're just annoying yeah that's it like you know we all were we all were at one point um but it just he definitely and I think the biggest thing was is that Justin was in the house yeah and he was the was he the stepson wasn't he you said yep um and they none of them were touched like he didn't want obviously Justin to a be killed or b um witness his friends being killed because obviously if he killed everyone 
and Justin saw it, Justin might say something. Whereas if Justin's in the room and his other two friends are asleep, yeah, let's just leave them alone because this that way we'll get away with it. Right. Well, yeah, and I I often wonder if if Justin hadn't decided to sleep over there that night, if the other two boys would have been killed as well, because mm. it just seems with the savagery and the the mm. fact that like it doesn't seem like there was any remorse towards the victims yeah. at all. I would not doubt that whoever committed these crimes would not kill those other kids too. Like yeah. it just doesn't seem like whoever did this does not have a heart or a soul or anything yeah. in between. Like they're just a horrible fucking piece of shit person. So to me, it doesn't it doesn't seem like they would leave the other three or the other two boys alive had it not yeah. been for Justin. So that just even makes my suspicion for Martin even more <laughs> even more, you know, heightened just because it's like, you know, and I, I brought it up because it's you know, why Justin's story changed is because, you know, he could have blocked it for tra- from trauma or he may have been threatened to stay quiet, which, you know, yeah. if that is the case, you know, Martin could have just been like, if you tell anybody, I'll kill you. Like, I'll do exactly what I did to them, to you. So it's like, or kill your mother, kill your mother, you know? Mm. Um, so it's like when you, when you're being threatened like that as a kid, it's probably the most terrifying thing in the world. So it's like, of course, you're not going to say anything, you know? And he's still alive, isn't he? Martin's still Martin, alive, I he? believe so, yeah. No. no, no, no. Martin died um in 2000. Oh, did he? Yeah, which is kind of also frustrating about this case is because... Oh, um, so if they even find out, it won't matter. Right. Um. Well, and he saw a counselor for his PTSD after him and Marilyn mm. got uh, divorced. And according to the counselor, he admitted that he had killed Sue and Tina, but had nothing to do with the boys. Tina had to be killed because she had seen everything. But then the counselor allegedly told the Plumas County Sheriff's Department what Smart had told her, but there was no evidence of that statement ever taken. So the 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 Sheriff's Department, from what from what I read, from what I gather, didn't even bother to look into it. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Just the fact that I don't know, just the fact that uh, they never they never took any of sort of statement. No, I know this, this thing is full of freaking holes. Yeah. yeah, It's full of holes. And I, I'm glad that they've kind of like reopened it and there's like, and you can't blame Sheila that she's not letting this go. Oh yeah. No, I wouldn't. I would, if my, if my family had been murdered, I'd, I'd dedicate the rest of my fucking life to finding out who did it, you know, because, um, it's just disgusting. Like it's, it's a horrible, heinous crime that never should have happened. And it's, it just makes me sad. Like this whole, this whole thing makes me sad because it's like these kids, this mother, they, they all had, you know, plans to make their lives Mm. better. And then, you know, their lives were taken by, you know, whoever these people were. Um, But yeah, it says that Marilyn uh, did go on record to state that she believed her ex-husband and Bo Mm. Ubede were responsible for the murder. She said that after she Mm. had gone to bed, they went back to the bar and at 2 AM she woke up to find them burning unknown items in a wood stove. Although there was no ever, there is no evidence to corroborate her statements. It would explain why Justin was left with the younger boy sleeping. It may also explain why Justin's story changed. He could have been blocked. He could have blocked it from trauma, or he may have been threatened to stay quiet. So that I mean, when when you look at that, it's like there there. Sometimes you want to think like right now. I'm thinking like there's no other people it could be. But then when I found out that there's like new evidence, and they're saying that. You know, because I want to get into the new evidence part real quick. Um, mm. 
So although this horrific crime occurred almost 40 years ago and is still yet to be solved, new evidence and DNA has been collected from the scene, leaving investigators hopeful that justice will be served soon. In 2004, Cabin 28 was demolished, but in 2016, a hammer was found in a pond near Cabin 28 by someone using a metal metal detector. The hammer matched the description of the hammer that Martin claimed to have lost. In April of 2016, a knife was also found near the scene. Plumas County Sheriff's Department claims to be actively investigating six suspects and DNA recovered from the scene matches a living suspect. (gasps) Yeah. So that must mean that they have someone like they have, like they haven't said who yet, but if it says DNA recovered from the scene matches somebody that's still alive, they know who that person is Hmm. or must know, must know more than we know obviously um yeah and then in the box of old evidence one of the investigators found an audio tape directing police to tina's location it had remained unopened in the evidence bag none of the initial investigators had even bothered to open it or listen to it which i'm just like are you fucking kidding me like really like you didn't even bother to try to you know find a lead with that i don't know it's just the whole thing frustrating type of shit fucking fucks me right off like yeah it's a fucking tape it's a tape you listen to that shit yeah yeah there is no excuse for that no excuse for that yeah that's just lazy sloppy bastards who have the nerve to call themselves police right well and it, and i i thought it was interesting that they had the fbi involved and the fbi like dropped out after like two weeks and they're like oh they can handle it the Plumas County Sheriff's Department can handle this. And it's like, clearly they can't because there were there was a lot of uh, information missing. But it seems like the lead investigators that are on the case today seem to have more of a passion for getting it solved. So yeah. it seems like they're really trying to, yeah. Because um, it says the lead investigators currently working on the case are confident that they will have this solved very soon. They are quoted as saying, there are persons of interest still living who knew or participated in this crime and should now be worried. And uh, oh. says she, which I mean, tells me that they know that somebody, they know the person involved person or persons. Mm. So it tells me that they've got their guy. At least that, that tells me that they do. I don't know if they actually do, yeah. but just the fact that they're saying that they, <laughs> there are persons of interest still living who knew or participated in this crime and should now be worried to me that say to me that says that yeah. they know who it is should now be worried that's very that's very um sure they're very sure of what they're saying uh-huh yeah you know? yeah so yeah um but yeah it says that Sheila Sharp continues to work with law enforcement and media to keep her family's cold case alive so could you imagine though like for 40 years not knowing not what knowing. happened yeah and having to like oh. live with live with the live with that like not only does she have to live with the fact that she's the one that found the bodies of her family but she also has to live with the fact that it hasn't been solved for 40 years hmm. so yeah it's just yeah. A, it's a crazy story like sometimes i hardly believe that this actually happened but it did so it's like holy shit yeah because it feels like a film yeah it feels like it feels like something out of the like and i honestly feel like um the director hasn't come right out and said it but i feel like the strangers is sort of loosely based off of this it would seem so oh yes it would very much seem so 
like a lot of people say that the strangers kind of seems a lot like this particular mm-hmm. case either that or the manson murders a lot of people say that the manson mm-hmm. murders are kind of yeah, directly related to the strangers um but yeah i don't know uh that was the Keddy cabin murders guys if uh you want to research this story yourselves <laughs> i mean go ahead go for it i mean it it, it is it is a really heartbreaking case and it's a really hard mm. case to talk about but it's also really fascinating just the fact that mm. like you know it's been 40 years and this still hasn't been solved and you know the the brutality of this crime is just insane to me it just the whole i always go back to the fact that the knife was like bent like the fact mm. that somebody had used so much force on a knife that it bent the freaking blade is just insane to me I think for me, when I, for unsolved cases, Mm -hmm. I think it's like crazy that whether you lived for another five years, 10 years, 20 years, four years, is the fact that you got to do something this unbelievably disgusting and you got to go on and live your life. And did those people go on and kill other people? Did they, did they do nothing? Did they just go back to their normal lives? And, you know, you've got to get away with it. Like nobody should get away with this. I mean, if you do something wrong, I don't care how small or big, you should get some sort of punishment. And especially this. And it's the fact that somebody could have, like they said, you know, that person should be worried. Some guy's got to live for the past four years, having the time of his life, probably. Right, right. Knowing that he was part of this or she was part of this. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Like, fuck you. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah, exactly. And thank God that, like, technology has evolved so much in the Mm. last 40 years that Mm. now it's, you know, pretty impossible to, you know, um, commit a crime and not be caught for it. Like, with all the fucking technology that we have these days, it's almost near impossible to not get caught. And so, and it's it's really nice, though, because... um, the April Tinsley case just recently got solved not too long ago because Mm of um, modern technology. So it's like you're getting these cases now that happened, you know, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years ago that are now Mm -hmm. finally starting to be re-examined. And with the technology that we have now, we can go back and test things that haven't been able to be tested before, like DNA evidence and stuff like this. So it's like, it makes me hopeful that with the technology that we have now, that these cases that have been cold for so many years will finally come to light and we'll finally get more, you know, justice for what happened, especially with, you know, and it makes me confident that hopefully they did find or will find the killer or killers involved with this crime. So. Even for the the siblings that are still alive, just so they can get a bit of, because it would kill me. It would kill me. I would need to know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I think that's like the, the biggest takeaway that anybody can get from these kind of things is just the closure, you know, yeah. obviously they can't get their family back, which, you know, yeah. is heartbreaking, but at least they have the closure of knowing mm. that their family finally has justice. So exactly. Um, exactly. but did you have any final thoughts about this case that you wanted to bring up before we hop off? Um, I think it's a case that like after like I obviously read about it and stuff like that but after talking to you about it my final thought is is that I'm really frustrated (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I'm really pissed off about it because it's just like you can see all the like I mean I'm not a 
I'm not law enforcement and stuff like that. And you just see so much, so much like incompetence yeah. that this could have been put to bed 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it could have been, but like, you know, it, it potentially could have been. And I just, I just like most people I have a massive problem when you hear about stories where police didn't do the job that they should have done. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, um, for reason. well, and unfortunately I feel like you hear that more often than not in these cases, mm. actually, because like, you know, I, and I'm sure things have changed a lot since, you know, that time, but, you know, even still, like I hear cases about, you know, police not taking missing persons cases mm-hmm. as seriously as they should. Like when, when parents go to the, go to the police station and they're like, my daughter is missing or my son's missing. And they're like, Oh, well, aren't they prone to running away before? And it's like, well, yes, mm-hmm. but even if, even so it's like, I feel like you should still check every mm-hmm. possible Avenue. I don't know. And it just, it seems like they were very, very blase about this whole thing. Like they were just like very, whatever, like, well, you know, we'll, no, I, I agree. It's just like, you know, when you were saying about the missing person thing is like, you know, they're like, yeah, but we hear this stuff all the time. The point is, is I'm a, I'm a huge believer in this. I don't care what the topic is. Every situation is different. Every yeah. individual is different. Every experience is different. And we need to stop thinking because something happens all the time that this is the same, Yeah, you know? So just because you know, a runaway usually has run away again. It doesn't mean that they've run away again. And like, I understand that resources are really hard, but it's, it's, it's the way they talk to them. Like, even if they said, look, I, you know, I see your kids runs away, but like, you know, it's, we're really strapped, strapped here for resources, but it's just like, oh, they've done it before. They're fine. You know, this, they're so people are so easily dismissed about their, their feelings. And it doesn't matter what it is. I'm not just talking about this. Like we're, we're so quick to just tell people off, you know, you're, you're being over dramatic and all this kind of shit. Yeah. And every situation needs to be an individual situation. I agree. 100%. All aspects of life. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, um, did read somewhere that they changed like in, I don't know if this is in all States, but I know in some States that, um, you don't have to wait 24 hours anymore. Like if there's like a missing person's case, you don't have to wait 24 hours to like 24 hours is a ridiculous amount of time. I don't know why anyone ever came up with that, but Mm. (laughs) cause it's like 24 hours is way too much time to be sitting on your hands and not investigating somebody that just went missing because it's like within that 24 hours, they can be all the way across the country already. And it's like, you'll never drive in 24 hours. Right. And you'll never find them if you don't, you know, jump into it right away. So it's like, you get a lot of these like missing persons cases from, you know, 30, 40 years ago that weren't initially investigated right off the bat. And, you know, it, you, it leaves you to wonder like if, if one thing had been different or if, you know, maybe they had looked into, you know, specific things, if this would have gotten Mm -hmm. solved sooner. And that's that, that also, goes with this case as well it's just like if if maybe if they would have been better about not tampering with the scene or or you know doing more of a thorough search of the Mm. area because it's like yeah i get i get that this you know cabin is where the murders occurred but it's like you'd think that if maybe they searched that pond sooner they would have found the murder weapon Mm. or because it's like it, it just baffles me that this hammer remained in this pond for almost 40 years and no one ever found it yeah 
same with this knife that was like near the scene too it's like how how did not how did nobody come across this knife sooner it just it seems to me that just a lot of (laughs) incompetence as you were saying as you very well put it it's just a lot of incompetence and and like i said i want to play devil's advocate here because i don't want to call out law enforcement because like i said i'm not a cop you're not a cop so it's like you know maybe it's one of those things where it is a small town not a lot of crime happens so when something like this happens they don't know how to handle it but then speak up we don't know how to do this and then like the fbi should have went hang on a second this is you know you know, yeah. like I, I'm very much like, you know, obviously not all police are the same and not not all anybody is the same. But in yeah. a situation like this, if you like a lot of problems that go on with stuff like this, there's a lot of fucking dick measuring. We want to oh, be yeah. the ones that solve it. We're not going to let you take over and all this kind of shit. Like, you know, leave your ego at the door. Yes. If you need help, if you're in a small town, because didn't you say like 600 people, if you're in a freaking yeah. small town, bring in the freaking FBI if you need it. I agree. You no, know? who gets yeah. like stop, stop. People need to stop being the one who does it. Who gives a shit who fucking solves a problem or right. who sorts out a problem or does anything? Stop needing that fucking pat on the back. You're adults. Exactly. Let's just fucking sort the shit out. You don't need a medal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You're not. You're not a fucking child. You need. Well done. Well done. You know this you time. Get a gold shit, star. Exactly. I do that to my fucking kid, but you've got grown ass men here that don't want to get help because they want to be the fucking twat who solves it. Yeah. You know, piss off. Exactly. Does my head in, you know, (laughs) just do the fucking sock down there if it's not big enough, you know? Right. All right. (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) No, I feel the same way. It's just, you know, like I said, if, if, if one or two things you know, would have gone differently. Maybe this case would have been solved mm. sooner and the family could have been brought exactly. justice a lot sooner. But, you know, like I said, I, I do want to leave on a positive note and say that I'm hopeful that, you know, with the technology yes. that we have, that this case will, you know, eventually come to light and people will be prosecuted for it. And uh, yeah. I'm yeah. Hoping- and we have some police that are really trying, which is good. Exactly. Yeah. It seems like yeah. there's people that are actually going headfirst in this case and are actually taking mm. it seriously and, and taking the yeah. time to, you know, really make sure that, you know, the, this family has brought justice. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a fun, that was a fun, well, it was a, f- I know what you mean. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it wasn't a fun case to talk about, but it was also kind of fun to talk about it with you. If yeah. that makes sense. I know wording, wording is key. Cause you can't be like, Oh my God, that's like the most amazing thing ever um but yeah no I know what you mean yeah it's like it's like you have to be careful how you word things when you talk about like true crime stuff because it's like you don't want to come across insensitive so it's like yeah I enjoyed the conversation but I didn't enjoy what we were talking about yes exactly yeah it was it was a hard case to talk about but um I kind of wanted to throw a little bit of a shout out there because um my uh, friends from two chicks in a horror flick Tawny and Mm -hmm. Felicia um recently did an episode not too long ago on the strangers and um, Felicia actually brought up the story of the Ketty Cabin murders. And that's kind of what inspired me to do this episode with you. So, okay. Okay. yeah, that's why when I texted you that night, I was like, I kind of want to do something a little bit different on mine. Do you want to do the Ketty Cabin murders was the night that I listened to that podcast. So um, I just wanted to say okay. thank you to Tawny and Felicia for, you know, inspiring me to do this episode with you, Lorraine. Oh, so, brilliant. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, Tony and Felicia. Yeah. And I also <laughs> want to shout you out and say thank you for coming on the show because it was a blast talking to you and I love you. And um, I can't wait to have you on again. And uh, before we go, do you want to plug in your podcast? But yeah. So my podcast is called Once Upon a Nightmare. And I discuss, as you mentioned, true crime and horror films. And you can find me on basically your usual podcasts and platforms. And I'm on Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare podcast and Twitter as a Nightmare pod. And I do go on Facebook as Once Upon a Nightmare, but it's just a technical, you know, formality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about Twitter. I'm like, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. So <laughs> it's yeah, almost like I don't have a yeah. Twitter. Yeah, no, I know. It's hard when you just don't like them. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, Lorraine. Seriously. It, yeah, it no, made, I really appreciate it. It means the world that you came on. I hope you had a good time. Um, I did. Let's, let's do this again soon in the future, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. So um, yeah, with that being said, uh, we're going to head out of here, guys. Hope you guys are all having a good weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.